I'm Subuman and this is Kura Tuturu Real Gold. In this series, we explore items and stories from Auckland Library's heritage and research collections. Today, I'm at Tamaki Pataka Korero, the Central City Library, in the Special Collections Reading Room, where I'm meeting with rare book specialist Jane Wilde. Kia ora, Jane. Thank you for taking time to meet with me today. So we're standing here by the case in the reading room and um, I can see that it's got a rather unique item of New Zealand literary history. Perhaps you could describe to listeners what we're looking at together. I would love to, yeah. What we're looking at today um, is a a very rare book, um, No New Thing, which R.A.K. Mason Ron Mason published um, with his friend and book designer, printer, Bob Lowry, in 1934. Um, It was designed to be a subscription-only rare edition with hand-printed covers, Mm. subscription of 100 copies only. Um, But it didn't really flourish. Uh, Evidently, they had trouble with the binding. And for here, in the case, we have two copies, which is pretty exceptional. So I'm really celebrating the book as object, where you get to see the front and the back of the slim volume. Uh, I think the, the hand-printed, hand, hand-woven covers with the hand-printed label on the outside make it a very fine-looking book. Mm. But the reality is he had... Ron Mason had bad luck with his books up to this point, really, because um, famously... The Beggar, which was his first um, foray into publishing when he was just 19 um, in 1924, he um, threw 200 copies into Queen's Wharf. And I sort of wondered whether that really happened or whether it was almost a publicity stunt or an urban legend. But um, Alan Curnow, in the introduction to the collected poems of Mason, talks about the sea burial of The Beggar and so, uh, yeah, it's pretty clear that he did really find it very frustrating trying to sell a book. Uh, he was really a young man and he, he didn't have the, the kind of um, infrastructure that really selling books requires. So, so the little um, waistcoat uh, pocket-sized book, The Beggar, um, has survived and um, that was his, his first publication. And then 10 years later, there was the very um, ambitious proposition between Bob Lowry and Ron Mason to do No New Thing. Um, And it really didn't uh, take off. Mm -hmm. So uh, I talked about it at the Bibliographical Society conference and people can hear the the full lecture there online. But um, what happened was that this book uh, wasn't really the new uh, extension of Mason's output. Um, There are very few copies that have survived. So we're celebrating this copy being, um, having two copies of it in the library and celebrating that in a very spare installation in the real gold case. You've got a lovely quote on the the, um, labels here in, in the case where he's sort of giving some sense of of the of the drive behind the the content. Yeah, um, I think. Could, yeah. yeah, well, that that really speaks to him as the ambitious, um, very clever poet. Um, so um, 
that's the quote, some of these poems were intended to appear in a vast medley of prose and poetry, a sort of odyssey expressing the whole of New Zeal history of New Zealand. This I designed long ago and did much work on. I may possibly yet resume it, but youth having been smouldered in senseless drudgery, I can scarcely expect age to supply the necessary fire. <laughs> and so, yeah, um, high hopes and um, definitely... It's a very slim volume, and it's not covering the whole history of New Zealand by any means. A highly ambitious um, kind of but, objective. But I think I think it kind of gives a sense of the character of the poet, mm. and so too does the Clifton Firth photograph that I've put at the on the wall panel above the book, um, which is really you know the classic pose: the poet with the cigarette and the newspaper and a, a sort of um, quite fabulous shadow behind him, and that's taken by his friend, the uh, well-known uh, photographer Clifton Firth. So that was, um, that's a photograph uh, that we can share more widely of, of Mason in 1947. So he's um, you know, f a little bit further on than the 1934 date of this publication. And by 1947, He'd stopped using Bob Lowry as his, you know, he was his friend, but he'd stopped using him as his printer, and he'd gone down to um, use Caxton Press with Dennis Glover, who was really the other famous 20th century printer for New Zealand, both of whom, you know, didn't always deliver, but um, Dennis definitely did encourage Mason to do a lot more, um, contribute a lot more poems, and design some very handsome editions of poetry. Um, and then by 19, um, what would it be, the 1962, Alan Curnow um, published all of uh, Mason's poetry in the collected poems. And that's still in print, so that's that's done really well. So he did manage to, you know, at this point, 1934, most of his poetry was out of print. But um, it did, he did get that poetry captured. And Curnow did describe Mason um, as just very, this sort of nice line in the introduction as New Zealand's first wholly original, unmistakably gifted poet. Oh. And I think that was, that was very recognised, that he, was, um, he wasn't prolific, but he was very talented and very thoughtful um, and, you know, someone to kind of nurture. Um, and that kind of brings me to really recognising that the special place of Mason in this building because outside the Central Library on the concourse there's a tortura planted and there's a caption um, in, a brass, in a bronze plaque uh, underneath the tree which describes um, the tortura as a living memorial to R.A.K. Mason who died in 1971 and it finishes up by calling him a native son of the city mm. um, because he, he was born in Penrose on Great South Road and um, spent most of his life in Auckland. Um, and then 1971 was also the year that the Central Library opened, this modern Central Library building um, designed by Ewan Wainscott. And um, in the library we have a bust portrait of... Um, Mason, which was done by Anthony Stones, who's done a lot of, of busts, mostly of men, mostly of poets. Um, they, you'll see a big lineup of them in the Turnbull Library, but we've got some here in Auckland. 
um, and the bust um, by stones of Mason was also completed as a sort of memorial after um, Mason's death. Um, and it was, it was actually paid for by staff past and present of the library, which I think also goes to say a lot about people recognising the importance of Mason's poetry. Mm. Um, I kind of can't quite imagine who uh, the staff past and present would make a, a sort of uh, a subscription to create a bust for if that was today. Mm -hmm. So it's kind of interesting to see that and you can still see that bust in the um, Central Research Centre across on the other side of this floor on level two. Yeah. So I think it's um, it's kind of interesting to sort of see the, the tree, the bust and the book yeah. as three um, kind of elements that show the importance of R.A.K. Mason as a poet in New Zealand. I don't know a, a lot about him or his work actually, to mm -hmm. be fair. Um, was he, did he work sort of within an academic setting or within some kind of framework as a poet or was he sort of independently, creatively working? Well, he, he kind of um, left the, well, he, he started off being a pupil at Auckland Grammar, Auckland Boys Grammar, um, and was clearly very bright, but he uh, didn't um, have the necessary maths uh, results get him into university in, uh, early on, so, um, but he did get to university a little bit later. Um, but he, he kind of made a very interesting passage from um, publishing in newspapers, um, publishing in limited edition um, poetry books, through to um, kind of the people, um, people's theatre. And um, so by the time um, it was in the 1940s, his poetry, he was publishing in the People's Voice as PWD, which stood for Public Works Department, and as a pseudonym. And he was talking about having um, a kind of poetry that was almost um, self-directed by the cast of a theatrical group. And um, it was performed at the Auckland Fabian Club. And he kind of, he left the traditional um, kind of um, institutional scene of, of academia and went much more into the, the people's theatre. Um, and at a certain stage, he um, really just uh, described himself as a gardener. Um, he was very much um, uh, into politics, um, I think probably one of his few overseas trips was to China and was um, a president of the, F the Friends of China Society for a period of time. Yeah. Fascinating. Mm, interesting do man. A, do you have a particular favourite of his, of his poems? Um, no, no, not really. I mean, the, the bigger, um, his, the very first book mm. that he did, um, there's, a, there's a lovely kind of energy in. And um, I think... It's interesting that um, really once this collected poems came out, the majority of the poems that he wrote were, were done by the time he was 25. Um, but, yeah, I think I, I've put his collected poems beside the case so that you can kind of sample it. But, uh, yeah, I think, um, 
Yeah, I think that there are there are a few um, that he did actually about China that are quite um, powerful mm. and have a kind of very you, you need to kind of hear them and they have a lovely kind of um, he's got a good sort of sonorous delivery. Right. So um, well, yeah, actually, recommend we that. have I know um, in the sound archives of Auckland Library's heritage collections that we have him mm. reading. That's right. Um, so I might try have and dig some of those up and and. Yeah. We can share those. We invite people to come in and see for themselves the case just for the next couple of weeks, but of course our collections are always available to researchers who'd like to come um, and look at original content here at um, Tamaki Pātaka Kōrero, the Central City Library, in the Special Collections Reading Room. Um, so no mai hari mai, and um, thank you very much, Jane, for your time again today. It's a pleasure. Kia ora.